Hello, lovelies. In episode two, when I mentioned Rudolf Steiner's doppelganger idea, I had a lot of people contacting me about this, and they were also bringing up that Rudolf Steiner had talked about a vaccination. And indeed, he had. And so I was working on putting together a podcast for you on that subject. And along comes Jason Heppenstall with a brilliant article about this very subject. And so what I've decided to do today is I'm just going to read it to you because he's done a fine job, better than I could do. And it really is an incredibly important article. And I think it's something that we should be aware of. Because look, at the end of the day, he is asking the same question that I am asking. And it's the first question of his post. And I think that anybody that looks at what is going on in the world today really has a hard time finding the humanity in it. It doesn't seem that humans should be capable of doing what they are doing to humans. So who's doing it? There's lots of different theories out there. I'm going to cover a few of them. But today we're looking at the question that Jason asked, is the human race under spiritual attack? And did the esoteric philosopher and clairvoyant Rudolf Steiner warn about it over a century ago when he said a vaccine would be the delivery system for the defeat of humanity? Boom. Okay. How do you even get more relevant than that. But look, I have noticed that um, it appears that the military industrial complex got really jealous of all the money that Big Pharma was making and they've decided to try to scoop some of it up. <sighs> and have all of our attention seems to have turned over there. But this story, this story is far from being finished. All right, here we go. For many, the overly authoritarian response by governments worldwide to COVID-19 pointed to some deeper, more sinister driving force. But it hasn't just been the governments that seem to be acting strange. Over the last two years, we've witnessed people across a broad spectrum of society meekly submit to draconian attacks on their freedoms, and many even fiercely defending the assault. In the same way, we've seen politicians and parties who once ran on platforms of personal freedom and economic autonomy almost overnight turn into overbearing control freaks intent on micromanaging every aspect of our lives. How has this happened? Recently, the term mass formation psychosis has been on everybody's lips. It's defined as a psychological phenomenon whereby a mass of people voluntarily go through a process process of de-individuation and a herd mentality forms. Due to their contagious nature, the thought forms affecting these de-individuated people, catalyzed by the positive feedback loops of news programs, social media, and peer interaction, spread like wildfire throughout the population. In the past, this used to be called mob psychology, or more plainly, the madness of crowds. 
Someone from whom the events of the past couple of years would not have been so surprising was the Austrian esoteric philosopher and mystic Rudolf Steiner, who died almost a century ago. Throughout the course of his life, Steiner wrote numerous books and delivered thousands of lectures on his theories, contributing greatly to diverse spheres from architecture to education and agriculture to beekeeping. His highly unique and sometimes controversial insights and methods led to the founding of the spiritual movement known as Anthroposophy, which emphasizes the existence of a boundless potential for human beings. Unlike some esoteric thinkers, Steiner saw the great importance of materialistic science, but argued that it was vital to see it as only a single aspect of reality, which should ideally be combined with what he called spiritual science, gained by mystical experience in order to present the full picture. After all, breakthroughs often occur when scientists receive insights from beyond the material realm, as in the famous case of James Watson, credited with the discovery of the double helix shape of DNA, which came to him in a dream featuring two intertwined serpents. Similarly, Dmitry Mendeleev created the periodic table after a dream of a table where all the elements fell into place as required. These cases go to show that not all scientific discoveries are the result of logical deduction and experimentation. In fact, Steiner, who had been on the receiving end of mystical insights since childhood, honed his clairvoyant skills to such an extent that the information he received from non-conventional sources became more than the occasional flash of insight. His quest became the establishment of methods for obtaining objective extrasensory perception, a task he considered of paramount importance, for he believed an epic battle was being fought in the spiritual realm that would have disastrous consequences for humankind unless it was addressed head on. His clearest warnings about the future fate of humanity came in a series of lectures delivered towards the end of his life in Dornach, Switzerland. These lectures are reproduced in the book The Fall of the Spirits of Darkness. Although Steiner's detractors say his prose can be laden, his lectures meandering, and his concepts difficult to grasp, he is remarkably clear and straightforward when it comes to the fate that awaits humanity if our obsession with scientific materialism is allowed to reign free without being pulled back into balance by the counterbalancing forces of spirituality. This is most clearly illustrated in the final two lectures in that series, 13 and 14, which are respectively titled The Fallen Spirit's Influence in the World and into the Future, Steiner posits that an unseen battle took place in the early 19th century, which certain spirits of darkness lost. These spirits were duly ejected from their heavenly realms and cast down into a more material plane of existence, that is, here. He is remarkably precise about when this occurred, autumn 1879. These newly arrived spirits joined those who were already here, the ones that have been existing alongside and influencing humanity since the mythological times associated with the fall. Given that it takes time for these malign spirits to work their way through human societies, it wasn't until 1914 when their malign influence manifested in human society in the form of the First World War. A disaster 
disastrous event, the cause of which still puzzles secular historians. The spirits Ariman and Lucifer have been hacking humanity for thousands of years, says Steiner, with Lucifer being the light bringer, intent on making us more spiritual and granting us more free will, and Ariman doing the opposite and making us more materialistic and easier to control. In simplistic terms, Lucifer is an ascending influence, which Araman is a descending one. Why should they want to do this? Well, we just don't know. It's difficult for our human minds to figure out what makes angels and demons tick. But whenever there's one of these periodic battles in the spiritual world, Steiner says it tends to result in a new batch of reinforcements being thrown down into the material realm to join forces with those already here. Steiner told us that Araman, a demon first identified by the Zoroastrians in ancient Persia, has the upper hand right now. He had a personal beef with Araman and had seen his face in vision. In fact, he was still carving a likeness of it out of wood at the time of his death. Araman's main aim seems to be to drag humankind into a purely materialistic state, devoid of any form of spirituality, removing even the impulse to connect with our souls. The method of attack would be through science and technology, and by taking possession of the minds of the powerful and influential people in order to push through this agenda. These controlled people could be scientists, politicians, religious leaders, or anyone with any influence. Thus, demonic forces work through these people, and the people themselves, blinded by all too human failings, such as greed or lust or power, would lack the basic awareness to recognize what was occurring. The background to this power grab was the rise of atheism and the worship of science and progress. Now we have a situation in which a purely materialistic perspective is presented as the only explanation for all creation. Atheism has for some become a de facto religion, while the rich traditions of native spirituality have been sidelined and crushed under its heel. People, animals, and in fact all life is regarded in the same cold manner, merely receptacles of proteins and genetic code that can be exploited. The end game of this play is presented as a bleak, monochrome world, expunged of spirit and light, where humans, their minds and spirits, broken, are herded together and monitored like lab animals. Commentary Do I hear digital ID? We can see how this scenario is being expedited. The CEOs of tech corporations are viewed almost as saints or bodhisattvas, dangling the carrots of eternal life in the form of uploading the data contained within our brains into microchips. At the same time, politicians, corporate scientists, civil servants, and economists are regarded as technocratic engineers tasked with ensuring the smooth function of the juggernaut of the material economy. Free will? The implicit assumption that this will be unnecessary once the AI-powered algorithms, which know us better than we do, reach escape velocity. At this stage, human life would have no intrinsic value, and the shells of our former selves would be occupied by the demonic 
army that Steiner warned us was waiting for this moment. Some people say that Rudolf Steiner predicted a vaccine would appear, which would be the delivery system for the final defeat of humankind. In the light of the clandestine efforts made over the last two years to inject almost everybody on the planet with a gene editing treatment, his prescience seems remarkable. But how true is it? Amazingly, Steiner was remarkably clear by his own standards about the physical process by which this takeover would occur. He states in his final lecture, The Fall of the Spirits of Darkness, that the spiritual world where entities such as angels, demons, and archangels dwell is within the human blood. He meant this quite literally saying, both the archangels and the angels had their dwelling place in the blood, as it were. Truly, the blood is not something merely for chemists to analyze. It is also the dwelling place of entities from higher worlds. To that end, he speculated that the delivery mechanism will be in the form of a vaccine injected directly into our bodies. Today, in 1917... He said, bodies are vaccinated against one thing and another. In future, children will be vaccinated with a substance, which it will certainly be possible to produce, that will make them immune so that they do not develop foolish inclinations connected with spiritual life. Foolish here, of course, in the eyes of the materialists. This vaccine, he goes on to say, would block off any communication from the spirit world, meaning no messages or impulses would be able to get through from the spirits of light, whose aim is always to help humanity progress and fulfill our destiny. Positive impulses which were once transmitted to us would be permanently locked out by the vaccines, and instead the hapless victims would only be able to receive the impulses coming to them from disruptive sources, which we can imagine today might include the media, the education system, and even established religion. There would be great confusion, he says, and aramonic forces will turn people's thoughts upside down and inside out. Everything that once was good and sensible will appear evil and crazy, while everything that was once considered insane and evil will be presented as sensible and good. Commentary. Now, I'm just going to stop here. <laughs> reading the article for a moment and share with you something that I found to be super interesting. Imagine that you were a really crap guitar player and you were injected with a substance that interfered with your guitar playing. You would probably never even notice that you had been affected. Because if you're a really crap guitar player, then probably A, you wouldn't even pick up a guitar to test the theory. And B, even if you did pick up a guitar because you were crap in the first place, <laughs> you wouldn't even notice that you were any different than you were before, right? Because you're a crap guitar player. But if you were a really, 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 really good guitar player, and you got injected with a substance, and all of a sudden you would be incredibly aware that you couldn't strum those licks or pick those finger-picking things anymore, right? And you would notice, you would notice, you would notice a really, really big difference in your ability to play guitar. Well, I think that it's fair to say that en masse, the general population, on Earth, in these moments, are really, really bad 
soul connectors. And so if we'd been injected with a substance that disconnected us from our souls, I doubt that we would even notice it. Because let's get real, who's connecting with their soul these days? However, because I am interested in magic and mysticism, I do have friends on Facebook that are very good at connecting with their souls. And what has absolutely horrified me is that I have seen comments on Facebook about these people being unable to make the connections that they used to make since they've had the vaccination. Now, I don't know if these people were aware of this Steiner mm, prophecy at all, but what I do know is that they noticed a difference and they were mourning a loss that was incredibly significant to them. I even went as far as reaching out to one of them and he agreed to doing an interview with me. So maybe we'll actually go ahead and pull the trigger on that. It's just such a subject, isn't it? So let's continue on, shall we? Does this all sound implausible, the ramblings of a long dead mystic? Many will no doubt say that it does, and that there are more earthly and plausible explanations for the psychic epidemic which has gripped the world. Perhaps Steiner was speaking metaphorically after all, for some may reason. Nevertheless, the phenomenon to which Steiner alluded bears striking similarity to the Native American concept of the demonic force they call Watiko. The author Paul Levy, who I have interviewed as well, has written extensively about this, defining it as a contagious psychospiritual disease of the soul, a parasite of the mind that is currently being acted out en masse on the world stage via a collective psychosis of titanic proportions. Now, here I am going to interject again and strongly suggest that everybody buys Paul's book or listens to the numerous videos that are on YouTube because Paul does make an incredibly important observation. He sheds a lot of light on what could be happening. And the truth is that we really don't know, do we? We don't know if it's the doppelganger, if it's Araman, if it's Watiko, but something is going on. And the more of us that are looking at it, the more chance we have of getting to the bottom of it. So let's continue on. Listening to a recent Legalize Freedom podcast entitled COVID-19 War on Humanity, Emma Farrell, a plant healer who uses shamanic techniques to access inner realms, made the observation that she and others in the same field had seen a veritable horde of spiritual parasitic entities attached to people over the last two years, as if a floodgate had been opened and they had poured through it. These entities, she says, comes in all shapes and sizes, but there are two very common and recognized ones. One which is squid-like. These squid-like beings, she says, attach themselves to unprotected people and harvest their spiritual energy by causing division and discord among us. This struck me as interesting, as we've seen the squid archetype move into human consciousness over the past few years, not least becoming apparent through popular culture. Many people have reported having dreams of octopus or squid-like creatures, and artists like Peter 
Iankowski have painted pictures of these visitors. Indeed, the villainous machines that control humans and harvest their energies in the Matrix movies look like robotic squids. While one of the top Netflix series of 2021 was Squid Game, a grim and violent survival thriller that posits human nature as intrinsically barbaric. What's more, the resurgence in popularity of H.P. Lovecraft's supernatural tales of horror from the deep adds another tentacled layer to this cake. And let's not forget when Goldman Sachs, one of the world's largest investment banks, was memorably described by Rolling Stone's journalist Matt Taibbi as a great vampire squid wrapped around the face of humanity, relentlessly jamming its blood funnel into anything that smells like money. The description is apt. After all, what is the purpose of an investment bank other than to turn every aspect of the sacred world into a monetized asset that can be traded and exploited and leveraged? Could this manifestation of a squid octopus archetype into human consciousness be what Steiner was warning us about? Are there really spiritual entities within our blood that could account for billionaire technocrats' obsession with injecting substances into us that are said to contain nanoparticles we know very little about? And how does this sit with the psycho-spiritual disease of Watiko, outlined by Paul Levy, and the concept of mass formation psychosis being talked about in the alternative media? Perhaps the truth lies somewhere in the nexus of these concepts, with the implicit suggestion that we should not rest in our deep inquiry into the manner of the affliction that is currently so prevalent across the world. Only by doing so can we hope to find the necessary tools and weapons to fight back against it. Or maybe the aromatic demons that Steiner warned us about, the Watiko mind parasites Paul Levy writes of, and the tentacle entities that have squirmed into our collective consciousness via popular culture are all playing on the same team. If so, what does our team look like? And how do we win this game? Perhaps the fight is a necessary one at this juncture in human development. And that by defeating these spirits of darkness, we can progress to a higher level. Whatever the case, referring back to the old adage alluded to earlier, people, it's said, might go mad in crowds, but the path back to sanity happens to be one person at a time. Thank you, Jason, for that really lucid explanation of the situation and Thomas Sheraton for bringing it to my attention. So I have a lot more to say on this subject and it's not exactly magic really, is it? It's other realms and it's not exactly Egypt, but I think that it's a very important path to go down. And we've got some John Lamb Lash, we've got some more Steiner, we've got some Cliff High. <laughs> There's lots of people looking into this that are kind of really, really interesting. So I think we might take a little jog around the block in future episodes and see what we can find. But I hope you enjoyed this, lovelies. Uh, well, how? I mean, I hope it was enlightening. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Hello, lovelies. I am so excited to announce the release of our new film called Hecker. 
Heka looks at the magic of ancient Egypt and how that pertains to the story of ancient Egypt and fills in a whole new perspective that we have been missing collectively for hundreds of years. It features Gordon White, Chance Gardner, Joseph Patrick Farrell, Lon Milo Duquette, Tobias Churton, Graham Hancock, of course, the fabulous John Anthony West, Rupert Sheldrake, Stephen Skinner, Thomas Sheridan, Peter Mark Adams, Thomas Joseph Brown, Aton Veggie, Mog Morton, Bernardo Catstrop, Shauna Home, Mark Passio, John Seraki, and the goddess Joanna Kujawa. I am so incredibly proud of it, and I invite you to come and have a look. You can find a link on MagicalEgypt.com. Material. Immaterial. Immaterial. 